0: This is Kevin Evans with the chapter-by-chapter live class at Crossroads Assembly of God Church in Greenville. Kenny! And uh, my class is wandering in. Uh, We are in, we're studying the Gospels and we are currently in John and last week we uh, finished, we we were in the middle of chapter 12 and we're going to hopefully finish that up and go on into chapter 13. Kenny! There are donuts there, and uh, I have giveaways. First of all, wait for it, I have a book about bears. 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 It, it's signed by the author, and it's got a, an expired gift certificate to Starbucks inside it. Expired. By like nine years, yeah. Because my sister-in-law hid it from me because she wanted me to actually read the book before I discovered the, the gift, and I did not read the book. I'm sorry, Cindy, if you're listening. I know you're not. Okay, he doesn't want the book on bears. This one I have big hopes for, though, okay. This is called Noah Primeval. Uh, when I was studying the Nephilim and the Fallen in Genesis, uh, this, this author keeps coming up. He's actually a pretty good uh, Bible scholar. But he wrote this big fantasy novel about Noah, and then he spends the last fourth of the book explaining all of his narrative choices and why he thinks that's the way it was then. It's actually kind of fascinating. And, and I, I was feeling you on this, because it's kind of down your alley. Yes, yes, yes. I have a taker. I gave away Noah. Yes. OK.
1: <laughs> Stuck with
0: bears. Okay. That's <laughs> <punishment for nine>. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Really? See into bears? All right. All right. Okay. Only bears I read are Pharisees. Ha 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 ha. Okay. Uh, actual Bible study here. Let's see. We were in chapter twelve, and in chapter twelve, Christ has made his triumphant triumphal entry. And uh, his ministry has come to an end, and he is declaring himself the Son of God, and he is taking it head to head against the Pharisees, and he's not pulling any punches. And uh, he goes to the temple and he predicts his death, and he really ticks off all the Pharisees who are plotting his death from the top down. And uh, we ended at verse 37 or 36. And uh, Christ basically uh, uh, said, uh, you're going to have the light just a little bit longer. And then he removed himself from the argument and walked away from the Pharisees. So he kind of left them there. And that's where we stopped. So we're going to finish uh, chapter 12 and then we're going to start chapter 13. So verse 37. What? Well, I haven't really started 13 yet, but okay. Yes. Can
2: I read something about verse 36 real quick? (laughs) Okay. It says, this is the 11th discourse in John's gospel. The occasion was the inquiry of certain Greeks to see Jesus suggesting the outgoing of the gospel to the whole world as a result of Jesus' death. Yeah,
0: it does. We, We discussed how the Greeks' question and his answer... Tends to open up the gospel to the Gentiles, which was kind of a big issue with the Jews too. They didn't really like the sound of that either. Alright, so verse 37. Even after Jesus had done all these miraculous signs in their presence, they still would not believe in him. So do you ever think, you know, Jesus just show me a sign and I'll believe what you're trying to tell me? You know, do you ever pray that prayer? We've all prayed that prayer at one point or another. Even if he shows the sign, you still believe it? See, there's the question. That's why we don't get the sign. I don't think it's really going to make a difference. Uh, This was to fulfill the word of Isaiah the prophet, Lord, who has believed our message, and to whom has the arm of the Lord been revealed? Uh, Verse 39, for this reason they could not believe, because as Isaiah says elsewhere, he has blinded their eyes and deadened their hearts. So they can neither see with their eyes, nor understand with their hearts, nor turn, and I would heal them. Isaiah said this because he saw Jesus' glory and spoke about him. Yet, at the same time, many, even among the leaders, believed in him. But because the Pharisees, they would not confess their faith for fear they would be put out of the synagogue. For they love praise from men more than praise from God. Thank you, John, for that judgment. Then Jesus cried out, When a man believes in me, he does not believe in me only, but in the one who sent me. When he looks at me, he sees the one who sent me. I have come into the world as a light, so that no one who believes in me should stay in darkness. As for the person who bears my words but does not keep them, I do not judge him. For I did not come to judge the world, but to save it. There is a judge for the one who rejects me and does not accept my words. That very word which I spoke will condemn him at the last day. For I did not speak of my own accord, but the Father who sent me commanded me what to say and how to say it. Know that his command uh, I know that his command leads to eternal life, so whatever I say is just what the Father has told me to say. So he, Christ is... Okay. Um, so we see miracles and yet we don't believe. He has blinded their eyes and deadened their hearts. That doesn't seem fair. What does that mean? He blinded their eyes and deadened their hearts. Oh, so it, it,
2: there's a. There's a combination between Isaiah and John. There's several places throughout John's writings where he, where he actually kind of quoted Isaiah's yes. prophe- prophecies, and that's kind of what he's doing here. It's where, you know, God, God told Isaiah, said they're not going to hear you, and they're not going to, their hearts are going to be hardened. But I want you to go to them anyway, and it's kind of the same thing. But why
0: would God harden their hearts? Doesn't God want to reach everybody?
2: Because they refuse to accept Jesus. And so he allowed their sin to harden their hearts and to blind their eyes. Because they were, they, I mean, Jesus did enough signs that they should have known he was the son of God, okay? But they were so built on their pride and prejudice that they just refused. So, so,
0: so their hearts weren't hard and they were open and then God hardened their hearts so that they wouldn't believe. I think he knew that was
2: That the saying of Isaiah the prophet might be fulfilled, which he spake, Lord, who hath believed our report, and to whom hath the army of the Lord be revealed? Therefore they could not believe, because that Isaiah said again, He hath blinded their eyes, hardened their hearts, that they should not see with their eyes, nor understand with their heart, and be converted, and I should heal them.
1: Okay. So it was rejecting God's message one time. Or do
0: you, do you I'm asking you. I don't have the answer here. I have to be careful about saying, "Well, they reject rejected, so he's going to harden their heart." I, but
1: then we're all going to be hard.
0: Yeah, I'm not a lawyer. I don't ask questions. I know the answer to.
1: making this concrete doctrine, because then we're, we get, I, I, for every answer of a hardened heart after rejection, I can give you an answer, a person who's hardened their heart for 90 years, and on the 91st birthday they gave their heart to the Lord. We gotta be careful about thinking this, so it's gotta be this.
0: At the risk of diving into psychology. <laughs> uh, uh, mm-hmm. uh, if you have a person who is fussy over a subject, Uh, I like blue better than red, it doesn't matter what the discussion is. If they stand up in front of a group of people and say, I am red, I am for red, I am not for blue, I think we should all be red, we need to have red shirts, everybody should have red shirts. Once you said that out loud and taken that position, if somebody comes to you later the next day before the decision the vote comes up and says, you know, I think maybe we should vote for blue, well, that makes you look bad if you go and vote for blue after you've made that big sermon about you should have red shirts, and it makes them much less likely to make that decision because they've made this public commitment. Paul has made a very, Saul, excuse me, has made a very real commitment early in his career to persecute Christians, and that to the point that that became his uh, acknowledged job from the temple. He was the guy that hunted down Christians and heretics. So he is committed to the cause of crushing Christianity. Now, can can that person, can that man that is committed to this idea, change his mind? Yes. I think Paul proves that. However, it is a much bigger deal than some regular guy who hasn't taken a big stand against it changing his mind. If he was, if he was changing his mind early on when he was just presented with the idea, then maybe it would be a little easier to persuade. People are easier to persuade early in the decision-making process rather than later.
1: Think again. That book I told about talks about this very. Does it? Okay. But if you want to go in deeper, the part of. Your part of the brain that brings out fight or flight so when you have a
0: so it's real primal
1: yeah and so when someone can, you know you've been taught for 30 years what grandma said mm-hmm. you know yeah. and, and you find out at 30 someone presents you evidence that grandma was wrong and why people don't, still don't believe it because it, you feel challenged fight or flight and you you in fact you'll even go farther into grandma said that the you know that the world was flat right them up and put them in an airplane and show them that the world's already flat, Earthers. But you show them the world is round, and they'll say it's a delusion.
0: Right. It's 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 fake. Because it's they're committed to that. Fight or flight. View. It's that part
1: of the brain that you feel unsafe when someone challenges a hard belief. That so
0: if somebody to. had come to Saul on the road to Emmaus and said, "You know, Saul, let's talk about Jesus. I, I think maybe you're approaching this the wrong way," he would not listen to a word they said because he is hardened against Christians. He's, he's stoning Christians. He's, he, he's, he's got a commitment here. So what does it take to convince him to change his mind? He has to be struck blind, and he has to be sequestered for weeks and preached to by Christians until he understands what he's being called to. He needs a word from God to change his mind. Can he change his mind? Yes. But it's, it, it, it's very difficult to change somebody that is at that level. Yes, Kenny.
2: And here's a controversial thought. Um, maybe it's just talking about those specific people, you know, like
1: pharaohs.
3: You've got God, an argument God. for that. I agree. See, what well, our conscious, a person's conscious, they don't realize that the conscious was open when Adam and Eve ate from the Garden of Eden. But we know good and evil. We wouldn't have a conscience the way we do now if we're looking for that. So that's kind of how we know good from evil. All
0: right. Next point, if I can just abandon this.
3: or um, <laughs> just go the
1: Calvinist way and say, Yeah, of course you.
0: You I'm and not, your Calvin's. I'm not a Calvinist. <laughs> 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 um, the anti Calvinist?
3: Chapter 8, verse 11 describes a little more about what we're talking about
0: right here. Okay. Like parable of the seeds and everything. Now, if you don't mind, you read it? I'm glad to How about where am I? Uh, Luke chapter 8, verse 11. Luke <laughs> 11. You can
3: probably start off verse 10. You gotta go back to the Israel describes.
0: All right, Luke chapter eight, verse one through what? Verse ten. Verse ten, just verse ten. okay his disciples asked him what his parable meant he said the knowledge of the secrets of the kingdom of god has been given to you but to others i speak in parables so that through seeing they may not see through though hearing they may not understand this is the meaning of the parable the seed is the word of god those along the path are the ones who hear and when the devil comes and takes away the word from their heart so that they may not believe and be saved so the devil is hardening our hearts Okay. I can I can accept that too.
3: That
1: another perspective that i can look at it through
2: well there is but money. we can't because it's god's perspective we're thinking <laughs> but i'm not god, god operates so. on our level and he does not he
1: just it just that, that's that's the foreknowledge and the predestination when man tries to figure this stuff out we can't because we're limited by us being human god is god and we end up starting and I'm and just hard. like, oh my goodness, can we just accept the fact that God's in charge and he's thinking on a different level, completely different from us? And that we don't, I'm, I'm okay to say, you know what, I don't get it. I don't understand it. I don't have
2: to. Well, That's faith. And they trust we're, God lot of opposite. And he was fulfilling three prophecies from Isaiah through verses 37 through 50. There's, there's the promise. There's the promises of Isaiah's prophecies in the quotation in, thir- in verse 38. There's three prophecies that he was fulfilling. Isaiah 53:1 and 40 through 41 and Isaiah 6:10. So he actually was fulfilling three prophecies from Isaiah mm-hmm. here in this, in, in the part where he talked about hardening the heart.
0: I understand your argument play I know that God is bigger than us and has a better perspective and I, in fact I have a whole lecture on it but he made us to commune with him mm-hmm. he calls us
1: Some stuff that beyond our knowledge. I'm going to go, go way, by Saint Let me go by Saint Augustine's quote. Okay. Any okay. god that man can explain is not worthy of our worship.
3: Yeah. <sighs> I guess the best way to look at it well, is the Lord says, "You and love me, you follow my commandments." Right. Any god that we can so, explain is not. God. There's, there's a lot of people even in this church and every single church right now at this very moment that will not enter the kingdom of heaven, and they said that they know the Lord Jesus. It's because of what's in their heart. So even though they claim to know the Lord, they are not following His. They're walking in their own ways, being very selfish and hateful. And therefore, their hearts have been hardened.
0: I think that's a proof <coughs> of um, I argument. I have a hard time accepting you need to surrender because we can't understand this. And that's, that's not what I'm saying. I think that is what you're saying. Where does faith come in? I don't
1: understand that, but I'm going to trust
0: God. To, well, I'm all for trusting God, but I don't know that we should surrender. Un- you can't possibly understand this, so let's not contemplate it. I did say you can't talk. About it. I'm just
1: saying we to the conclusion. <laughs> I, I think sure. God calls
0: us to come to Him. We have a mind. I think we need to use the mind God gave us. Yeah.
1: You're telling that to me? Yeah, yeah, I, I am. Weirdly, <laughs> I am. Yes. <laughs> But I'm also willing to understand there's some things about God I'm just never going to understand. Does that make my faith less? Does that make my spiritual walk
0: a less? I don't think it has any effect. Okay, I, I don't think that, that faith is a lack of knowledge. I think in, in going that extra step of not knowing, so I'll just go anyway. Trust. That's, that's foolishness. I think I think, yes, it's about trust. It's sticking to what you already know. <laughs>
1: I saw your face change, right, sir? Go on with that thought.
0: <laughs> Stick to what you know. That's what faith is, and I think you need to continue to yeah. seek God. And I, I, I have, a, I have a problem with saying stop. I have a problem with stopping because you can't understand. No, no, no.
1: That's my point right there. We seek, but we may not figure out till we get there.
0: okay i accept that where where
1: did i ever say stop trying to figure things out just give up i didn't say that
0: when you say you can't understand it so just have faith
1: there's some things i'm not gonna understand but i'm trusting god in all this (sighs)
2: because i mean because basically
1: can we agree. You know, we're not ever going to really, truly understand it until we're up in heaven.
0: Agreed. And
1: that's where my I can't I can't I can't explain how the world get created. My faith is God did it. Now we can sit and talk about our different, different theories about it until we're blue to the face. The ultimate point of the thing is, when it comes down to it, I can't explain how it happened. I just explain who did it. Yeah. And leave it to that. And it's not stopping, and I'm just going to. You know, I'm not the type of person not to just. Let's not discuss anymore because we don't understand. that. I'm offended by that act. Oh, oh, are you? <laughs> are you? But. but. Fact, that's what he said. <laughs> and, but, <coughs> but you also said we also faith trust what knowledge we have. We don't have all knowledge. <sighs> Your face changed when you said it. You knew where I was going.
0: Yeah, give me time. <laughs> <laughs> I, I, I haven't read all the books yet, but, you know, I st- I'm retired now, so there's a possibility. i okay? you know, kind of just speak plainly, you know. Okay, okay. You know, hit you know, me.
3: For instance, like if you take a person, right, and they go to church and they call so a believer, and then they go home and they start dabbling in sin, Right. They know they're not supposed to be doing it, you know, doing certain things, watching certain movies, whatever it may be. And then after so long, they start to casually do it without even thinking of the consequences of the sin It becomes a normal way of behaving. You know what I'm saying? So they're, not, they're no longer looking at it as sin. So that's a, a, a example of God heartiness. Heart. Really so it, so it kind of boils down to, where, you know. I got a point, but
0: I'm to say Okay, last point. And then we're moving on. (laughs) I don't have much
3: of a voice. But um, we do have the knowledge that God is good. And we do have the knowledge that he desires that none should perish. And we do know that, like, um, the truth is never um, against reason. It might go beyond it, but it's never against reason. So that's all I wanted to say.
0: I accept all of that at face price value. Okay. Uh, 42. Yet at the same time, many even among the leaders believed in him. Because of the Pharisees, they would not confess their faith for fear they would be put out of the synagogue. For they loved praise from men more than praise from God. At this point, remember, the head of the Pharisees, the, the head of the temple, has basically put out a warrant on Christ's arrest and they are out to arrest him. Anybody that takes his side could be cast out of the temple for a month. Any priest, any Pharisee could ban you from the temple so that you can't come in, which is part of the legal requirement. And if you don't repair yourself at the end of that little trial period, you could end up cast out of uh, the, the faith in general. You could be excommunicated from the Jewish faith and they all had that power and they all kind of lived in fear of it particularly if you were a Pharisee your entire uh, occupation, faith and culture would disappear you know that they were so wrapped up in it so you have these believers and they're in the synagogue but they're not saying anything because well they're more in love with their own life than they are in love with the call of Christ which is kind of an old story isn't it
3: (coughs)
2: Are they really
0: believers? Well, we know the names of two of them. Yeah, we know two we of them. We know Nicodemus and we know Joseph of Arimathea, and I highly suspect that Simon the Pharisee would be a third. Right. Uh, so we've got at least three men that we know the names of, and there could be even more. Yes, I do believe they were believers. Uh, but they weren't going, but they were not going to take a public stand in support of Christ. Uh, because they would be, kicked, they, they would lose. They're they're picking their battles. I kind of understand that argument. You know, I've been in many situations, so particularly in school, when I get into a conflict with administrators or whatever, uh, you know, if I go and, 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 and fight the man, I'm going to end up without of a job, and then nothing's going to change. You know, how does that make anything better? You know, it makes me worse, and that's it. You know, so. Uh, I don't know. I kind of understand staying inside the system.
2: Kind of goes back to violence never solves anything. Yeah,
0: I yeah. guess. John picks on them, though, for they love praise from men more than praise from God, which feels like a, a judgment from John against Nicodemus. So he had things to say. Oh, I'm so sorry. Did I spill that? Would you like a book about bears? <laughs> yes, yes, I've given away my book about bears. Forget about the other theological <laughs> <laughs> <There's a large laughs> topics. The it's signed by the author, and, and there's a gift certificate in it. The
1: best miracle yeah. today is someone
0: took the bear book. I have lots of pictures of Cindy. You can have the picture of Cindy. Really, <laughs> really, you can have the picture of Cindy. And okay. You wonder, okay. does Chris have a picture of another one? <laughs> Not at all, (laughs) not at all. all. Um, That one is my sister-in-law, and that is the author of the book. And she gave this to me for Christmas several years ago, and I never read it, and I never will. So I'm giving it away. And she hid the gift certificate inside so that I'd have to open the book to find the gift certificate, and I never did because I never read it because it's about bears. Yeah. Okay. Where was I? That was. they are about John
1: coming down
0: on Nicodemus and the other. Okay, yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, and so John, for for they love praise from men more than God. And so uh, then Christ cried out, "When a man believes in me, he does not believe in me only, and uh, you you see, if they're rejecting him, then they're rejecting God. And uh, he makes this big final statement." Uh, And he says that he's not the judge, but wait, isn't Christ the judge in the revelation of John in that other book that John wrote? (laughs) How is Christ not the judge and just the messenger here, but he's the judge in the
3: time because he has it in glory.
0: Accept both of those answers. Right? Yeah,
1: and
3: death and resurrection
1: made resurrect to be the
0: Yeah. Okay, is there anything else in chapter 12 that we need to look at? All right, I have notes in chapter 13. I know you love these little pieces of paper that I have that I cut out painstakingly mm-hmm. every Sunday morning. I made them small enough so that they fit inside your Bible. I have it once my, my Bible is starting to be twice as thick because I've got all these little pieces of paper taped in them. I still think I got
1: some of yours from Job.
0: <laughs> that was a good study. Easy. I got so <laughs> much. Of, anyway, never mind. Uh, <laughs> that's been a while, though. Do it. I
2: still got some of yours from when we did the Minor
0: Prophets. Yeah, we got yeah. halfway through the Minor Prophets, and I got tired of reading the same book over again with a new, new author on it. They all say the same thing. <laughs>
3: Exactly really? Mm-hmm.
0: Well, I did that right. Then, huh? Okay. So, chapter 13. Um, Christ leaves the, the, the temple and he goes, I'm assuming, back to Bethsaida. It really doesn't say. He goes to some place and he's having uh, Passover dinner, we assume, with the disciples. And uh, he washes uh, the disciples' feet and he predicts Peter's uh, betrayal, which is what happens in chapter 13. And uh, there's a little bit of background stuff that we can get into, but uh, let's see, I've got enough time at least for the first section. I'm going to read a big chunk and we're gonna go down to verse 17 and then we'll see how deep into this we can go, okay? Mm -hmm. So chapter 13, verse one. It was just before the Passover feast. Jesus knew that the time had come for him to leave this world and go to the father having loved his own who were in the world he now showed them the full extent of his love the evening meal was being served and the devil had already prompted jesus iscariot son of simon to betray jesus jesus knew that the father had put all things under his power and that he had come from god and was turning to god so he got up from the meal took off his outer clothing and wrapped a towel around his waist after that he poured water into a basin and began to wash his disciples' feet, drying them with a towel that was wrapped around him. He came to Simon Peter, who said to him, Lord, are you going to wash my feet? Jesus replied, you do not realize what I am doing, but later you will understand. No, said Peter, you shall never wash my feet. Jesus answered, unless I wash you, you have no part in me. Then Lord, Simon Peter replied, not just my feet, but my hands and my head as well. Jesus answered, A person who has had a bath needs only to wash his feet. His whole body is clean. You are clean, though not every one of you. For he knew who was going to betray him, and that was why he said he was not everyone's clean, says John on the side. When he had finished washing their feet, he put on his clothes and returned to his place. Do you understand what I've done for you, he asked them. You call me teacher and Lord, and rightly so, for that is what I am. Now that I, your Lord and teacher, have washed your feet, you also should wash one another's feet. I have set you an example that you should do as I have done for you. I tell you the truth, no servant is greater than his master, nor is a messenger greater than the one who sent him. Now that you know these things, you will be blessed if you do them. Okay. Can
2: I read here? Is it Luke
0: 22, 24? No. It's the, it's, it's the meaning of the Lord's action. Okay, now, Bill. You always get ahead of me and then you go off in the left direction. No, sorry. Then
2: it just said that the, the Lord's washing the disciples' feet illustrates the believer's continual need of cleansing after the once for all bath of regeneration. Who He who has bathed, in other words, the washing of regeneration, complete ablution, does not need to wash except for his feet, but he is clean all over because of regeneration.
0: Okay. Yes. From a non-theological
2: point, um, well, or maybe so, I don't know, but Jewish houses, they have these uh, baths or whatever when you walk, walk in, so basically you would clean yourself make yourself clean to enter the house. I forget what they're called. Well,
0: they wash feet when they come to the door. Is that what you mean?
2: Yes. Uh, well, no, no, I think it was more than just washing your feet. That's why Jesus brought it up the point you should, you only had to wash your feet, not your whole body. To become, okay. Uh, um, okay. I only know about this because I've been watching the YouTube that they do a lot of burial excavation and stuff and they find a lot of Jewish houses that
0: have I'll accept that. I'll accept that. They're used to the whole washing, bathing thing. Particularly since you know we're walking around in sandals in a very dusty place and, uh, and you come to the house. Yeah. Yeah. Um okay. I think it's difficult to understand this passage outside of reading Luke twenty-two, twenty-four. 24. <coughs> And in Luke twenty-two twenty-four, 24, Luke tells the same story, but it begins with this, uh, James and John arguing about who is the greater and where everybody's gonna sit, and they're all establishing this pecking order <coughs> hierarchy among the disciples, like me and my brothers, our entire <coughs> childhood, who's the toughest, you know? And, uh, and so, Christ, most scholars feel that that picture of those disciples arguing was the emphasis for Christ's response in John. But John leaves out that argument because he's trying to illustrate Christ's love for people and it wasn't uh, specifically a chastisement to anybody. Dr. Wyckoff at class. Yes, what did Dr. Wyckoff say?
1: The heart of this is about serving one another.
0: Yes. It's about, it's, about love. it's about love. And uh, John uses the word love <laughs> more than all the other synoptic writers combined. Well,
1: humility. Love and
0: humility. <coughs> sure. And uh, cry. this is the last meal that he's going to have before uh, he's crucified. This is his last moment as a person with his disciples, you know, when, when they're not busy or in a trial or whatever. And so he wants to express himself to them, and he wants to show his love for them. And they come in fussing. Uh, The the time is interesting, and I spent some time trying to figure that out. And it says, okay, I won't go into all the references because it's kind of tedious, but if you look at the references for the Passover in the Gospels, and then look at the pat- references for the timing of the crucifixion, you can make a solid argument for the crucifixion taking place on Passover because Christ was the sacrifice. I think, I think, I think our pastor prefers that argument th- th- because th- based on a number of, of sermons he's given, prefers that, ar- that argument because Christ is the sacrifice and it falls on Passover. But if that is the case, then this meal that he's having with his disciples is the day before. So they're having a meal together as a group in a house, around a table, sit down, formal dinner before the Passover. So they're not going to go through all of the ritualistic steps that you would have, but there are a lot of Passover elements to this too. But you don't see all of them, you know. So it's kind of... there is some room for argument. Uh, There is also a solid argument for the fact that it was the day before or day on. And (laughs) Western Christendom, starting with the Catholic Church moving into the Protestants, tends to interpret it from the, the Passover took place on Passover because when we celebrate the Lord's Supper, we use unleavened bread because that's what they used, it was unleavened bread. But if you go to Eastern Orthodox Christendom going east from Rome, they all use regular (laughs) bread because it was the day before, and they take a hard stance on that being where that was. So I I know a man
2: that he believes strictly in the Torah, okay? And so he said that Christianity has changed the Sabbath day because the Sabbath day was a Saturday. Well, so, yeah, that's true. So evidently, it had to be on the Passover because they had to bury him before the Sabbath began. So Friday was Passover, so that kind of gives you a little bit more concrete evidence. Yeah, that Saturday was Passover. I uh, thought Friday was the Passover because they wouldn't have the Passover on the Sabbath day, which Saturday was the Sabbath. Which is whenever Passover.
0: You're leaving? But you just got here. Well,
1: they are. They're just really upset. About that.
0: You, know, yeah. you
3: never forth. can't hold my audience.
0: They're out of here. Yeah, can, can, because out. There's a well, the argument, and
1: I really have no... It, I think <laughs> the argument already. But the one thing you can say, like, sometimes we get together with a family member the day before... You know, like, one family gets together the day before Christmas because we're not going to see each other on Christmas Day. And we... I mean, I don't know. Maybe, hey, we'll celebrate that because yeah, I, I think I think it's
0: very possible they're celebrating it the day before. I, I don't I don't have a problem with either interpretation, I really mean, and I, I mean. think in the end it doesn't really matter if you have yeast in your bread during uh, the Lord's Supper. You know, his ox is getting gorted. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So, uh, so anyway, uh, I I thought that was uh, one of those angels dancing in the head of the pen arguments that kind of. I find to be strangely interesting, and I dig into that. Uh, anyway, that's that's but it's actually, what what. Actually, I kind of disagree with you. I think it
2: does matter if there is, and bread, because he's represented sin okay. in this okay. okay. body. But doesn't matter to my yeah. salvation. Okay. does it matter. To no. no, no, thank you. <laughs> 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 is, like, is it gonna keep uh, me out uh, of
3: heaven? And he talks about yeah. is the Bible does not produce fruit. But he's saying yeast is sin. I'm not disagreeing
1: so with, with that. <laughs> 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 yeah. I'm not disagreeing that yeast represents sin, whether it's Passover Day or not Passover Day. If that's gonna, then we're we are all going to hell because we're adding to salvation, and the Bible says that does. Salvation says
3: believe in the Lord Jesus Christ and you will live. Yeah. But we're also mm-hmm. to work out our salvation. So if I that disagree so about whether Passover was whether his death no. was Passover
1: or not Passover, it means no. I'm not gonna make it to heaven because No, I'm not it here.
3: means that if you bluntly walk in sin and you don't I'm not disagreeing. That that's what he's saying that the yeast represents, which I understand that, you know, but you're saying that it doesn't matter there won't be no We're talking about the day what day it was on. I'm talking about specifically
2: the Eucharist. Okay. It, I think
1: we took
0: this in another direction. Don't you love a heated argument where everybody's on the same side? That's just awesome. <laughs> I'm trying to see where I was I
1: don't understand where I went wrong and
0: Let's restate the same case over and over and over again. With energy. Yeah, okay.
2: Jesus didn't really wasn't really born on Christmas he actually wasn't born until March or April you know So I mean there are some
1: people saying that your salvation is based on that
2: I I just I don't it just it doesn't matter what matters is believing in Jesus
3: I, mean, I don't think anybody here's saying we grow evil. <laughs> we apply his word, how he wants to
0: Well, we are out of time, and uh, next week we will begin with verse 2 <laughs> of chapter 13, because we do not have any time to get into Peter's denial. That's going to take us 45 minutes all by itself, so, or, or, or the next exchange, anyway. So we will pick it up there, and uh, hold on to your little uh, slips of paper. I don't guarantee more next week. Okay, and with that, I'm signing off. Bye.